All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to Artificially Intelligent, the podcast where a black musician in Philadelphia and a white comedian in the Midwest discuss all things life related. Um, might hear some background noise. My wife, for some reason, is up late uh, recording on uh, is it April? April 8th. And she is putting together a new TV stand she bought from Ikea because uh, that makes her happy is buying things from Ikea and putting them together. Um, speaking of TV, I'm just going to start this really quick by telling you that I'm scared uh, for the future. Oh. My daughter tonight, I was tucking her in. She said, Daddy, how do you become a YouTube star? Ah. I'm like, Jesus, goddamn Christ. Ah. The ah. era of scientists and astronauts and president is over she's eight years old anybody that doesn't know she's eight years old and i'll i I answered her honestly i said i don't know uh if i did she goes you start by getting your phd yeah that's what i should have said thank you god damn it and then you you'll become famous because you'll be the only person who has one in this stupid year yeah, holy yeah. shit. I told her that if I knew I'd be one and be making money off uh, the shit you and I do, I'd say I'm going right. to be making a YouTube video tonight. And I can tell you the the five people that watch it yeah. seem to enjoy it. They tell me they like it. But I say, listen, I'm trying to figure it out right now, honey. Trying to figure it out right now. What I'll do is I'll figure it out and then give you my legacy and you'll just step into my shoes and be famous. Exactly. Just like, uh, I don't exactly. know, anyone. Like any any actor's kid that just sort of yeah, like, like Gwyneth Paltrow, who just kid. sort of like, oh, now I'm a movie star. <laughs> I earned this by having Steven Spielberg as my godfather. <laughs> Look at you calling out nepotism. My goodness. Yeah, we, we don't hold back on this podcast. <laughs> so I uh, I wanted to do something that uh, we should have done two weeks ago. And then last week, we've been leaving every podcast sort of on a hanging thread saying, let's talk about that Ooh. next week. And then Ooh, we don't. Yes. Okay. Um, last week we were talking about uh, breakups and our personal uh, past breakups and how we saw the red flags coming. But I remembered when I was putting it together, uh, not remembered, I saw when, when I was putting it together that um, I had said up front, I had two thoughts for anyone going through a breakup. And we talked about the second thought a lot. And we never talked about the th- first thought. We never got back to it. And my first thought was that and this is, we can, we don't have to talk about breakups. We can just talk about life. Cause I'll tell you a story quick. Um, my first thought was whatever you're feeling, feel it and acknowledge that you are feeling it. If you're sad, you don't have to wallow in your sadness, sadness. And you probably won't wallow if you acknowledge like, Oh, I'm sad today. I really, I'm not feeling happy about mm-hmm. my breakup. Oh, today I'm angry. I'm angry. That person broke up with me, whatever you're feeling, acknowledge it so that you can be aware that you have it. And one of the reasons I thought um, to, to talk about this again is on Monday, my daughter again, let's talk about well, not really my daughter and everybody on Monday, I woke up in a bad mood and I don't know why I just woke up wrong. And I noticed it like immediately. I just felt I'm off. I am irritable. And then as my kids got up and started being kids, I was, I was just irritated the way kids are, but I, because I had acknowledged it right away, what I did was at every moment i just my inner monologue was you are irritated don't take it out on anyone else so anytime my kid would do something like not brush your teeth on time like sweetie you gotta brush your teeth whereas 
if I had not been paying attention, attention or not been conscious of my overall mood, I might've been like, brush your goddamn teeth, you know, barked mm -hmm. at her. And so I just, I think acknowledging your emotions is very healthy. Um, it doesn't mean you have to get wrapped up in them. It doesn't mean you have to be controlled by them. But as long as you're aware of what's going on, then you can just sort of feel it. Yeah. And I think it passes much more quickly than if you don't acknowledge it or if you just, you know, if I just want, and I can't remember what got me out of it. I was just sort of like in a bad mood. And then a couple hours later, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. And so we never talked about that as far as breakups or in life. So if you want to backtrack for a second, we can talk about acknowledging emotions as we experience them, experience them and what you think of that. I mean, I, I'm... <clears throat> Trying to think of times in my life when I did or didn't do that effectively, you know, and none of things popping to to mind of a time that I, oh, you never think think of times I was pissed off and I snapped at someone when I really shouldn't have. Yeah, I called I mean? that my twenties. Yeah, exactly. But <clears throat> you know, and and it's interesting that you say that because I I I think it's very true. I think that we should really acknowledge what's going on, even if just to ourselves, right? We don't right. need to tell the world, <clears throat> but we should acknowledge if we're, even if we're in a good mood, oh, I'm in a good mood, right? Like just acknowledge what we're going through, you know, and just be aware of it. Didn't know? even goddamn think of that. Yeah. I mean, that is perfect. I think when you're neutral or good, you tend not to think about it. You, you right. I think people as a whole, or at least I know I've done this, when I'm in a bad mood or sad, I acknowledge it or I used to obsess on it. Like, fuck, I'm angry. Oh, I'm so sad. I think when things are going well, we don't acknowledge it. That's a good goddamn point. You should acknowledge when you're in a good mood. Yeah. Because you should enjoy it. I think so. I think so. And I mean, this can tie into the meditation thing a little bit too. Um, <clears throat> I do find that if I really look throughout my life, my thoughts and feelings that are supposed to be so fucking accurate, follow your heart, follow your bliss, blah, 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 all that shit, you know? I find that a lot of times my thoughts and feelings are inaccurate, you know? Like, I don't find... I find them to be more accurate now because I'm older, but also because, again, with that little meditation thing, that's what kind of clued me into it, you know? Instead of to look at so many of my thoughts and so many of the things that were going on in my head and so many things that I would have at one point in my life taken action on, you know? And I'm no, like, no, oh my... Action in what way? Like in a good or a bad sense or just... Like, like let's say... Um, all right, let's take the breakup thing, Right when you break up with someone or they break up with you either way let's say they break up with you and then you want to call them up and tell them all the things they did wrong because it feels right and you need to get it off your chest and it feels right and if you don't do it it will continue to feel right and i would in in my case i would be thinking about it and thinking about it until i did it and then i would do it and then afterwards, be like, well, that was a horrible fucking mistake. You know? Yeah. And 
but somehow be following my thoughts and feelings. You know what I mean, it's a silly example, but you know what no, I mean? It's... Like shit like that, you know. I don't think it's silly at all. Well, that's big stuff too. Like that's big stuff. It's like, you know, like we, we you know, I mean, whatever. The, the point of it is all that like, now that I'm meditating a little bit, I can see the difference because I can see my thoughts. Not see them, I, I, I track them. I'm, I'm acknowledging them. I acknowledge how many times the same thoughts come up and how many times they come up. And, and I was like, oh my God, like if I take action on this kind of stupidity, Jesus, man, that would be ridiculous. You know, like some of the stupid shit that runs on repeat in my head. You know what I mean? Like, I can't take all that shit seriously. You know what I, I mean? But it's, a, you know. Well, like, I mean, I, I think... Um... I think we're, I'm, I'm formulating a thought and yes. I'm not sure if I'm going to articulate it well, but I think there's a fine line between, I suppose you could be labeled passionate and being driven by your emotions. And I think it's absolutely okay to, you know, like, like I said, at the start of this, I was in a bad mood, but mm-hmm. I made sure not to take that bad mood on others out on, out of my family. Um, and maybe I, my, my, my wife is an adult. I could have given her the heads up like, Hey, I'm irritable today. And I don't know why that could have been appropriate instead of just swallowing Mm -hmm. it all inside. But, um, yeah, you have to be careful when you are driven by emotions that's acting on whims as opposed to, but you shouldn't also be Spock. You shouldn't be logical about everything. I think there's a fine line between, okay, um, I'm in the mood to do this. Is it a good idea? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, versus. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm formulating a thought. And I do want to say very quickly, if I have one thing going for me in my entire life, just one thing, it's the fact that I never called an ex who dumped me and laid into her. <laughs> I, I am so happy. I wanted to every time and I never did. And that's the, that's the one thing I can hang my hat on. No, no ex-girlfriend can ever say that I called them up and you did this and you did this and yeah. you, nope. <laughs> never happened i don't know that i've done it either maybe i i don't think so but it's definitely possible it's not I, it would not have been out of character at a certain point in my life i don't think um yeah let's get them all on as guests and find out yeah exactly that's that's the show we should have get all of our exes here all my exes live in texas um well <clears throat> I had a thought about something you were saying and I totally lost it. I was saying um, the fine line between being driven by emotions versus Ah, being too logical. Um, Yeah. Well, here's what I think. I think when it comes to music, right, there are players like, let's say, Jimi Hendrix, right? And people will say that Jimi Hendrix is like a feel player. He's like a passion player. His emotion, his stuff, right? Now, Jimi Hendrix had a had a huge amount of technical ability, but that's not what he's really known for. He's really known for his passion and his fire and his ability to kind of just be in the moment, you know? I really admire and respect that. There's also... Well, can know, I interrupt? Yes, Can I please. break it down and, and split it again? Um, sure. Be in, be passionate in your art, but if you do that twenty four seven in your life, that could be a bit too much. Yeah, I mean, maybe. 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Here's what, here's what I think. I feel like, I feel like in music, the better I get, the more, the more reckless abandon I can have. Right, like when I was when I didn't know anything, I could have complete reckless abandon because I didn't know anything, and so who gave a shit, right? I could just do whatever I wanted, and just didn't know if it sounded good or bad, and didn't really give a shit, right? And there's actually something to be said for that in a way, but right. absolutely, man, that was some of the best times of my life playing those jams. I'm glad, no, I'm glad we couldn't record them back then because <laughs> I could imagine that they do not line up with my memory. Um, you know, but, um, but I feel like now, at least as a bass player, I can have a sense of reckless abandon again, you know, because I know where most of the notes are. Not all of them, but most of them. I know where they are and I know what they do and I know what they're supposed to do. <laughs> if if everything is working right on my bass, I'm pretty, I can find most of them most of the time, you know. And so I have a sense of reckless abandon because I practice and I do it a lot. I feel like in places where my passion tends to take over, if I have trained myself well in that area, it can be a really beautiful thing. If I have not trained myself very well in that area, it can be a really unfortunate thing. Yeah. You know, there's that makes no, sense. No, that that's that's a that's pretty interesting. I think in a way that does relate to what I said. If you do it in your art, but not 24 yeah. seven. So how do you translate that to your life? I mean, is a stupid thing to say, but how do you be so experienced at life that you know how to act in that manner? If that makes sense. I mean, I'm at the grocery store. I'm a man of passion. It seems like it would be a bit much. I, I don't know. <laughs> 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 you're the just that case man right <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like you know like that the, there's a book i read a while ago called the charisma myth i mean you and i've talked about it but the woman says that charisma is a combination of power, presence, and warmth. By presence, power, and warmth, she says in that order, right? I feel that presence is really necessary, right? If you, I feel like in places where I approach it with presence, even if I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, I'm aware of the fact that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm and I'm using my brain to kind of suss out every little bit of it that I can like I'm being really present in the moment. Okay. I find that it's okay for my passion to run wild a little bit if, even if I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Hmm. You know what I mean? In those moments. I think the presence is really important. I imagine it's okay though like like maybe at the grocery store, you don't need to be super like passionate about picking up the broccoli, you know, but, right. but you can be present in picking up the broccoli, but not necessarily, you know, making love to it or anything. 
But it would be, but I think it would be really a sweet thing to, to like let your wife know and your kids know and things like that. Like let them know when you're really feeling their presence in a really positive way. You know what I mean? Like there's times you look at your wife and you think, man, if I could just set up a tripwire and she could fall down the steps, this could be sweet. You know, <laughs> you sound like someone who's been married a while. Right. And then, and then you, then there's other days you look at her and you think, man, she's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, and it's just, I think that's just how life goes. You know what I mean? It is, so and like, I think uh, last week when we were talking about the breakups, I think when, like, I'll speak uh, only for myself. I am on the latter half of that right now and have been luckily my entire marriage, which is, you know, it's not every day of butterflies and wow, but you know, there's an overall piece to it. And there's more moments of, of positive reflection than there are like, God damn it. You know, the, the push down the stairs thing. And I think (laughs) once you flip those two, that's when you get into negative relationship territory. And as we discussed last week, if you don't acknowledge that it builds and builds and builds, and then it just, the dam bursts, either you're the guy that's pretending or the woman, you're the person that's pretending like this is coming out of nowhere, or you're the person that says I've had enough, but it's never, as we said last time, never truly a surprise. But I think you're right. I think it's, I think going back to where this all started with what you said, I think acknowledging happiness not even when you're in a good mood, acknowledging, your, acknowledging it to yourself. Well, I'm in a good mood, but uh, others like, you know, hey, good morning. I'm really happy to see you today. Just for no reason yeah. other than you make me happy because you're my wife yeah. or my kid. Yeah. And be honest, right? Like, you don't have to fake it, but when you're feeling it. Yeah, you don't have to do it every day. Know. Today's a yeah. great day because you're in it. Pew, 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 well, I mean, pew. if you feel that way every day, but I doubt most people yeah. don't feel that way every day. But I think a level of honesty, I think that's really what it is, right? Like, I think a level of presence with yourself will let you know how you feel. And a level of comfort. Like, I find, my mother used to accuse me of this all the time. She would say, you're not listening. You're just waiting until I'm done talking so you can start talking. <laughs> you know? I think that's a lot of life. <laughs> It is. It's just funny. My parents had always saying like, they they said things that were like biting and funny without trying to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, I think my father once said to me, I think I've told you this. He said to me, you know, son, I got in trouble for something. He says, you know, son, there's two kinds of people in the world: people who learn learn things the easy way, and people like you. Yeah, <laughs> you did tell that when you said that the other week. That's a goddamn good line. And it's funny, but it's also just like, ow. Yeah. But it's also fucking hilarious. You know? It's very good. But the thing your mom said, I mean, that's that's fantastic too. And I think I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard that exactly. when it comes to yeah. acting, to tell you the truth. They say that yeah. bad actors wait for their turn, but good actors listen to the other person. Right. And here's what I figured out. As I started to trust myself more, I got better at listening mm. because when I didn't trust myself, I think I was always in my head. Like, what's the right thing to say? What is the wrong thing to say? How, what does this person want to hear? 
what you, you know, it's like always like doing some kind of equations in my head. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is the club owner. Are they going to, do they like the gig? Do they not like, well, we too loud? We're not loud enough. Should I ask for a gig? If they give me one, should I ask for three? And meanwhile, they're trying to tell me about their kids or some shit. And I'm supposed to be paying attention and building rapport so that they will book me again or some shit. And I'm thinking everything other than listening to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I, I was laughing yeah. because I, I, I was in my head listening to you, but thinking about what a piece of shit I am. Because, you know, me back in my 20s, I wouldn't give a fuck what I, I did. I didn't even think I would just <laughs> say and I would just it was usually something negative or biting. I mean, yeah. I probably, uh, I don't know if there's a way to apologize to everybody I ever talked to in my twenties, you know, <laughs> I'll just do it right here on the podcast. Sorry, everyone. I've gotten better. Um, Anyone who I offended who still sticks around and has friended me on Facebook. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. If you had a conversation with me between this year and this year. Yeah. <laughs> probably high school through age 30, I would guess. High yeah, school is bad. But I think that goes to what you said about personal responsibility. I mean, I mean, um, we're not going to go into detail here. I can look back at my entire childhood and understand why I was a sullen teenager and moody and taking it out on the world. Because that's what you do when you're young and you've had a shitty childhood. But at some point, in, in my case, it was uh, two years of therapy and you just sort of you you have to retrain. You have to own up to, okay, that was my past. It's not my present. It doesn't have to be my future. You don't get to constantly yeah. blame your parents for everything or anything. At some point you are an adult and it's on you to live your life. Yeah, and yeah, that was but, the turning point for me was, was age 28 and then two years in, in, in talking it out. But here's the thing, you know, most of my friends who figured out how to pull their proverbial heads out of their proverbial asses, right? And it's really only a handful who figured out how to do that effectively, right? And not really be their own worst enemy in every area of their lives, just in like three out of five or something or two out of five. They've all either been through some kind of 12-step program or been in therapy. Hmm. I know very few people who have figured it out who came from a, a place where they were trained to be one way and then found a way to untrain themselves without someone's help. You know, like I, I'm, and maybe I just don't know them or no, maybe I, I mean, met them after the fact. And so they already went through the transformation. So, you know, I'm not, I don't actually know. What I do know is that the people that I do know who started off from like having Maybe parents who love them dearly just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Like most people's parents, right? Yeah, that they're doing. I mean, I, I, that, that's that's me in a nutshell. Like I, blamed my parents for everything, and then when I became an adult, my mom even said to me, and I'm not going to go into detail, but it was, it was, they did the best they could. Nobody, absolutely. I I don't think anybody sits down and says, "All right, I got a kid." I'm going to fuck this little shit up hard. You know, I don't, I think even the worst alcoholic parent isn't, you know, being a distant alcoholic piece of shit parent on purpose. It's just who they are. And they probably don't understand the damage they're inflicting. And if they could change, they would, they just don't have the tools. And it goes back to something we've talked about a million times, forgiveness. 
it's yeah. at some point you have to forgive and and you if you want to you can lay all the blame you want on them i was just a kid you should have known better where does that get you i mean where does that get you i mean but here's the but the problem is this the problem is that People get to you at an age in which you would believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, all that kind of dumb shit. You know, Jesus. like, <laughs> oh, look at you. I have look to. At you I go. can't look not. At you go. I can't uh, not say that. But you know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, really, like, you know, like in Stand By Me. When they're like, well, what happened to Superman and Mighty Mouse had a fight? Well, most Superman wins because he's a real person. Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. And it's like, right. That's the kind of dumb shit you think about when you're a kid. Right. Like, you believe that kind of stuff. And when bad things happen to you, when your critical thinking skills are at a zero and you have the interpretation skills of a seven-year-old, you, you might interpret something to mean something, right? Your alcoholic father or mother who abuses you because they were abused and have a shitty life and real, feel really shitty about themselves. They take it out on you because you remind them of that. You don't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You think it's your fault. And if you continue thinking it's your fault until you're... Like, if you grow up in that environment, I, I'm not saying it's impossible to get out of it. I think it's very possible. I would suggest that the person seek help. You know what I mean? And in my case, that's how I feel about it. Like, I look at some of the dysfunction in my life. Like, there's many things that I want to do. Like, I want to get more organized. It's like, yeah, but why don't I? I've wanted to get more organized for quite some time. What is stopping me? And it's like, well, I don't know, other than maybe just pure laziness, which that is an obvious choice, right? And maybe not completely inaccurate. But I think it's more like, I don't know how to habitualize it, right? Like, I know how to be organized. Explain. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to be, it's like when I think about like, what therapy and 12-step programs and things do, right? There's a, there's a thing where they take you, they, they, there's a, a dealing with your responsibility, right? You have to start becoming responsible for yourself. That seems to be like step one. But then you also have someone you're accountable to who's not judging you. You have a non-judgmental counterpart who you are accountable to in this responsibility game. You know what I mean? And I think that that's, an, and someone who's the non-judgmental part is I think important. Like someone who will help you get up when you fall and encourage you when you're up and help you up when you fall, right? I think those are really important. I don't know. I just think it takes a really long time to do that without help. That's what I think, you know what oh. I mean? I think it takes a long time. Anyway, I'm rambling. No, it's okay. Um, I, I've had this thought three times and I don't want to forget it a third time because I keep mm -hmm. forgetting it. And then you say something that like makes me go, oh yeah, you just had that thought. Um, I think help is a good thing. I think therapy is a good thing, but it's also, I think, work to find a therapist because I remember Absolutely. in my situation, yeah. 
I uh, got lucky on my third try. Um, it's not just a matter of, I mean, first of all, you have to feel comfortable with the person and I didn't feel comfortable with the first two. And the reason I didn't feel comfortable with the first two is I remember this clearly. The one was a guy, one was a woman. I, I remember, I don't remember which was which, but one was, um, okay, sorry, I'm rambling and I'm trying to remember it in my head. So therapy to me was about uh, learning to acknowledge my emotions. I didn't know that going in, but the the first therapist I thought saw was, um, hey, do you want some meds? And I'm yeah. like, that was just the, the go-to first session. Like, oh, you're sad? Well, I can prescribe something. I'm like, that, what fuck are you? And I know there are probably people that like, okay, cool. Yeah, if that's going to fix me. And it's not. I mean, it, meds are good for, for chronic treatment, for, for actual depression. Absolutely. Um, but it's not going to help long term. What's that? They're probably good for plenty of things. Yeah, they're probably good for, but, but when you're meeting someone the first time, you're like, hey, I just went through a breakup. I'm sad. Do you want meds? It just, it, that, it rubbed right. me the wrong way. And then the second guy was like, hey, if you, it was the exact opposite of what we've talked about today. I remember clearly was, uh, hey, have you tried not thinking about it? If you're feeling sad, take yourself shopping, do something to take your mind off it. And then it goes away. And gradually you'll just realize that it's faded from your life completely. I'm like, <laughs> how fucking long is that going to take? You know, like, I don't, I don't want to distract it myself. Was my, what's my credit card bill going to look like at the end of this thing? Right. Dude, like, <laughs> and yeah, I, like I, said, I think it was the guy that said, take yourself shopping. I think the first therapist was a woman who said pills. And the guy was the one that said, take yourself shopping. I'm like, Dude. And I can't for the life of me remember how I found these people. I think um I think I looked at my insurance. That's what it was. That's what my insurance would cover was this this um this this place and I ended up paying out of pocket for where I went because I got a referral and I really liked her so I figured it was worth it to invest my own cash to to pay for my own therapy because yeah. the the clinic I, di I didn't like, I just didn't like what my insurance had to offer. I thought it was worth yeah. it to spend however much money I spent. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I mean, I think at the end of the day, it probably is like, I feel like, I mean, again, you know, I've only flirted with the, with therapy and things like that. Like I have friends who are therapists and people who try out their shit on me and things like that. And I've done like, you know, eight week programs or some shit like that. And, you know, and especially when I was teaching yoga, we did a bunch of that kind of like, not therapy stuff, but coaching stuff. And I can say, man, I found that shit to be real helpful. It's like, as a, as a drummer, I was educated. You know, I went to, I had lessons, I had private lessons once a week. And I had music in school. And then I went to college for it. As a bass player, I am partially schooled because I had some stuff in college. And then I had some private lessons, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, shit like that as a young person, as like a young adult. And then I played, you know, 300, 250 to 300 gigs a year for five years. And that's really how I learned how to play, you know? And you're black. And, and I'm black, right. So the bass thing just comes, it's just a thing, right? Yeah. Um, but the, uh, learning how to play the guitar 
I've taken some lessons. From really good players over the over time, you know, but nothing consistent. And most of it I'm learning by figuring it out. And I have to say, it would be a lot faster if I had a teacher. Because I do teach music and I know a lot of music, I can fill in a lot of holes on the stuff that is just theory. But the stuff that really requires like oh, I've been just doing this for 15 or 20 years and so I just know, you know, I just know this thing that I learned that I discovered after 10 years of doing it. But I could tell you and you could you could apply it in five seconds, right? There's things like that, that well, kind it, of stuff. It's a master. You're looking for a, a, yeah, a, a, it, a um, I guess that's know, the only word I can think of is someone that's mastered their, yeah. their, you know, you, I mean, it just makes a difference. Just because you're a, a, a catcher yeah. in baseball doesn't mean you can suddenly play shortstop. I mean, right. you know where exactly. shortstop is, yeah. you know, the fundamentals of baseball. Yeah. But right. it's a different position. Yeah. Absolutely. It requires a different kind of instinct training, right? Like, yeah, you can do it because you've seen it and maybe even played, played it when you were in Little League when you were a kid. Now you're, you know, 15, 20 years later and you're out there and yeah. It's like a real, it's like a different, it's a training of different kind of instincts, you know? And so, and I say all that to say, like, I do think that when it comes to this mental stuff, when I look at my own mental hangups, I, I don't want to shortchange myself because I'm all, I'm often one who just believes like, just dig in, just dig deep. Don't be a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, like your new joke, you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, I told him it off air. It's not. Uh, I, I know. Come see me yeah. live, fuckers. Right, exactly. And then you'll be able to laugh and have it. You'll get the inside scoop, people. Um, so you, we talk I mean? off air. We're not just friends when the camera's right. on. Exactly. But you know what I mean? Like, like there's a there's a part that's like you know, like dig deep, just go down. You could do this. Like, don't be a don't be a pussy about it and all that other like. Right, man, stuff. Right? Force of will. I will right, will exactly. myself to do it. Right, and and there are certain things that it's just like, well, I could do that. You know, I could do that. I could also change my own oil, and I don't. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I could do that I just farm out to other people because it's more convenient and it's just significantly faster, and it's a better use of my time. And that and part of me is that from a practical standpoint, getting help would be that. But just from a from another standpoint, I just think that there's just stuff. There's only so much I can figure out about myself because I can't see myself objectively. Let me let, let me interrupt because I think I think it's two different paths. I'm I'm not insulting you. I think it's a bad example though. Mm -hmm. The idea of changing your oil, yeah. If you've got the money, it's an inconvenience to change your own oil. I mean, just because you can yeah. do something doesn't mean you should. I changed the oil on my uh, uh, lawnmower this week, and it was fine. It was a little irritating. I got oil in my hands, uh, but it is what it is. I think there's a difference between, and I and I could be wrong. Uh, erase that last sentence. There's a difference between because mm -hmm. there. I'm going. There's a vulnerability you need in order to ask for help. I think there's a difference between yes. asking for That's help. True. And I don't want to do this. 
I can change my oil. Yeah. I don't no, want to do it. That's valid. I, uh, I, I can play the guitar. I don't want to ask for help because I'm a musician. I've been doing it for 20 years. I shouldn't need help. I'm me. Right. I know me better than anybody. I don't need therapy. I can fix me if I put my mind to it. I think there's a right. vulnerability to ask for help. Like, like Absolutely. saying you're going to a well, therapist is in essence asking for help. I am asking someone to help change me for the better. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? It, 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 when you say it, I'm glad you said you mirrored it back because it sounds like it's just a remarkable sense of entitlement. You know what I mean? Like, it just sounds like some entitlement bullshit, honestly, when, when I hear it mirrored back. But it back, does, it's what people do, not just men, but you square yeah, your, but, but men more than, than but most. But here's the thing. In, in almost every time, almost every time of my life when I've had entitlement and I thought I deserved something, right, that I deserve, almost every time on the other side of I deserve was cowardice on my hmm. part, almost every time. And when you say what you just said and you said it like, yeah, well, that it's like, yeah, that's just cowardice. That's like, I feel like I should deserve to not have to have a guitar teacher because I already know how to play the bass. It's like, well, that's just right. ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. And what it is, what it really is, is that I'm, a, I don't like being a beginner. Right. I'm not yeah. a beginner, but, you know, I don't like not being good at something like I'm used to like going to shows and like you play a show and something comes up and people compliment. And some people are like, oh, dude, you suck, whatever. Right. Because they're right, too. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, but you know what I mean? And, and but there are people who come up and they're like, oh, well, you sound great. And I like the bass playing and blah, blah, blah. And that makes me feel good about myself. Makes me happy. Right. I didn't realize how much I made me happy until the pandemic. So now I don't have that. I'm like, oh my God, why do I, why am I so glad that there's free point and legal weed? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I don't think people understand how gratifying it is to have, I mean, it's, they, they can understand the concept. What I'm about to say, they'll say, oh, of course I understand that. But until you feel it, there's a difference between understanding it and understanding it. People don't yeah, understand absolutely. what it, how good it feels to stand on stage and have people in an audience going, yay, you, yay, you. And like I said, you yeah. can hear it and go, yeah, I get that. But until you get it, it's yeah. it's it's so I mean, gratifying because, and when it goes away it stings and if you don't I, i'm i'm very lucky i'll just speak for for me um i if i didn't discover my wife i don't know where i'd be today because when i was in los angeles and struggling as a comedian to get noticed i mean it's very it's beyond frustrating beating your head against a brick wall yeah and i'm still beating my head against that brick wall but now I have a tether to sanity. I have a wife and kids yeah. and whatever happens out there in comedy world, I I'm safe under my roof. I, I can come back yeah. home and try and block it all out for the time when I'm with my kid, you know, like happy home life, unhappy professional life works, unhappy professional life, unhappy life life. That, that doesn't work. So I hear what you're saying. And I'm just very lucky in oh. that I don't get the adulation right now because of the slowing of gigs. But uh, yeah. But this is what we were talking about earlier when it's like, you know, when you have presence and skill in certain areas of your life, you can get, you know, two out of five or three out of five firing right. 
You know what I mean? Right. And that makes a huge difference, right? And again, right, you go to therapy, you learn a couple of things, and it's like you're able to have a good relationship because there's some stuff you've got some skills and tools, and they're not even tools now. They're just part of your personality. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just that. And it's like my guess is that that's most things. You know, the problem in in, in our world of arts is that like it is partially based on talent. It's like it's partially based on talent, it's partially based on luck, and it's partially based on connections. And it's a lot any, based on connections and luck. Yeah, but any any weakness in any one of those, it's hard to make it up with the others, right? Like people yeah. always like somebody once said to me, you know, things in music are gonna take it's like well, it was a thing you can have it. You, you you can have it good. You can have it fast. You can have it cheap. You can't have all three, hmm. right? That that saying, right? Yeah. There, there's a thing like I feel like in in our lives we tend to think of things like, well, my family's a third of it, and my career's a third of it, and then my hobbies are a third, and that's my life. And it's like, no, your family's a hundred percent. Your career is 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? like, <laughs> I don't know that like, I thought of it that way before. Right? Like, like everything, because the thing is this, right? Like spending more time with your family is not going to pay your bills necessarily. No. Right. Yep. Like when you're at your job, you need to be at your fucking job. And you need to take that shit super fucking seriously, right? When you're doing it. And when you're home with your family, well, if you're home with your family, given our jobs, yeah, you get material from your family, right? I do, yeah. <laughs> you can, right? So, but like, but like each one of these things, it's not like if your marriage was at 30%, your kids are at 30%, and your career is at 30%, 33 and a third. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, oh man, I'm I got 99. I'm good. No, your <laughs> life would fucking suck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sucks. And I, I feel like that's most things. I feel like it's not these weird percentages we think it is. Everything is a hundred percent. That's just what it is. Like everything is its own separate set of hundred percent. And the goal is to keep them all up there. And it's difficult. But I was gonna say that's fucking that involves juggling, and that is a pain in the ass. But that's life, though. Yeah, Don't no, it is. It like, life is like that's life. a pain in the ass, right? And and but I I do feel like if you have, I don't know how many pillars there are that hold up people's lives. You know what I mean? I have very few, right? I have like friends, family, career, you know, and then just me time, maybe, right? But like the main pillars that hold up my life and give it value are friends, family, career. Because basically that's those are the three, you know. Uh, I don't know. Some people might have four. They might have like some kind of spiritual practice. I was just going to say, I'm struggling to think of a fourth because as you were saying, I'm like, that it sounds like you're describing me. But I, I suppose religion, yeah. But I mean, but but right. people, some people have that and some people have like, a career and then a side thing like they they're lawyers and they love the law and they're passionate and then they save horses on the side and oh that, right 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 okay like like people can have i think you know four or five different pillars that hold up your life you know 
And I, I think for maybe even the more the better, right? Because that gives you more things to stand on. I don't know. But I feel like if I have three or four and two of them are good, that does give me the mental wherewithal to focus on the other two. You know, if, if, if more of them are bad than are good, then I'm spending so much time putting out fires that pretty much soon all of them are going to suck, right? Because, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm spending time putting out fires in my career, so I'm ignoring my, my friends and family, then those things suffer dearly, Yeah. right? If I'm spending all my time with my friends and family and ignoring my career, right? So, like, if two of the three, and I probably have about four, I probably have four if I really think about it. I just am having a hard time thinking about what the fourth one is. But, um but it's probably some kind of spiritual substitute. Oh, I was going you know to I mean? drugs. Well, I mean that too, right? Like, you know, smoking weed and then sitting down cross-legged pretending I'm meditating. You know I mean? It's the best way to do it. <laughs> God damn it. Exactly. Smoke a big joint and then cross your legs. It's a dough for a half hour. Oh. While, some, while some Pink Floyd goes on in the background. Yeah. Call that meditating. It's awesome. It's the best idea. But, you know, but like, but the reality is this, right? Like, if, if my career, if things in my career are going relatively well, and things in my family life are going relatively well, I feel like my friend's life and other shit just takes care of itself. Do you know what I mean like like so like when 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 it's like the pot like a rising tide lifts all ships you know what I mean I I hate these I know like, no I, I was you had me until that because I don't think it's all shifts because I don't I mean say say my family life is great and say my friends are great that doesn't equate to my career being great no I don't think it, it raises that one like well, hey I'm I mean, happy I guess at home the question I'm... is this does does your family does like your, can your personal life positively affect you to the point where you can go deal with your professional life with a better attitude? Yes, that's what it does is it allows me to deal with the incessant, uh, this phrase is probably now canceled, uh, Chinese water torture drip of negativity that is rejection and being ignored and just, just, just nonstop negativity at, at, at our level of, of success in the artistry world, where in my case, you call a comedy club that you have fucking destroyed at where, where people come and say, wow, I, I, I could tell you, I'll tell you one quick story. Mm -hmm. One quick, this is, this is a complete ego stroke. So fast forward. If you want, you don't want to hear me verbally masturbate all over myself. Um, <laughs> I met a guy, his name is Brad. We're friends now, but I met him because he went to a comedy club every single week. They had a deal where if you bought the comedy club's T-shirt, you could get in the door free on Thursday. So he bought it and he's like, I love comedy. This is what I do. I come here every week. And when he saw he, me, he went, wow, you're funny. I like you. And I don't know why I did this. I don't know why he did this. He said, uh, hey, I saw you last year. I'm coming to see you again tonight. Um, bring in a couple friends. We're going to hang out before the show. Do you want to come meet us? And we didn't know each other at this point. This was a contact out of the blue. Someone saying that I saw you. And I'm like, I don't know this guy, but fuck it. Why not? What have I got to lose? And 
yeah, now we're good friends because of it. That's a side story. The, the point is, he's not really a comedy fan anymore. He doesn't go to comedy clubs. And the reason is, after seeing me, he started noticing the comedy game more. And he would go to the comedy club and he'd see the same comics coming back week after week, year after year, telling the same jokes and a lot of more fart and a lot of them not. And he, he would say like, hey, that Timmel guy that was here once, he changes his act. He's he's really funny. You should get him back. They were like, ah, you know, like he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm here every week. I This guy was here th- six months ago and he's not funny. What about that Tim guy? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, ah, you know, and he's, it, he got burned out. He, 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 he saw my side of the coin, which is you can go to a comedy club, destroy, do really well, get told you are so funny. And the comedy club is who they, they, you know, you, you need a lot. It's what we, you talked about last week. You need those 10,000 likes to get the attention so they can say, Oh, people like you online. We'll put you in our club. Oh, well, so I'm curious. I don't know if this is an offline or an online thing, you know? Because I don't know if I want to be telling that people honest. how the sausage. Well, it's not even that honest. I don't know if I want to tell people how the sausage is made so much, you know? Why not? I just told a little of it. I'll tell a different facet of it, right? Okay. Um, with Katie, we've got some label interest, right? Barrett is the uh, musical director for the Katie Henry Band. Uh, we're going to throw yes. her website up at the end. She's got an album out there heading into the studio to record another one. Absolutely. It's, oh, man, I'm so excited. So excited. Some really good material. Good. Got some um, good songs lined up. Yeah, it's going to be some good shit. But, you know, we're talking about, we're looking into getting another booking agent or getting a booking agent because we've been handling a bunch of this stuff ourselves and we've been managing ourselves, which is just a nightmare. Like it's like, like like dealing with the manager at this level, because it's it's like, it's not crazy high up. So there's not a stupid amount of money coming in, but we still have a label and a producer and uh, a lawyer and this and every time you talk to some of these people it costs money so i have to be the go-between well i don't have to but like i end up being the go-between between the label and the producer and then the producer and with me and katie and then the lawyer and the label because if the lawyer talks to the label it costs me money so right i, I have to get the information from him sort it out then convey it to the label because talking to them is free. Right? So it's like all this managerial shit. And I'm like, good Lord, I get why these cats take a third. Yeah. Or like, yeah. you know, like not 30%, but like, I get why they take 10, well, 15, 20% because it's fucking worth it. Well, and let me put it, let me see if I can figure this out. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it is um, the producer is not just your producer. He's a producer. So he's got other yeah. artists that he's producing. So uh, he doesn't have doesn't. time yeah. to talk to the label or the lawyer yeah. or whatever, because he deals yeah. with you and then he yeah, goes on and absolutely. deals with his next client. So right, exactly. it is yeah. your job to deal with all these right. people and talk between it, them because right. they're incredibly busy, right? All, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's all business stuff. But here's what I realized. We did that tour of California last year. And that was a big deal. Didn't necessarily seem like it to us. Like it did, but it didn't. Right? It did. It was a big deal, right? We booked a three-week California tour, you know? But it made a statement. 
And it wasn't that by itself, but it, but between the California tour, a couple of nominations, an award or two, some radio interviews, a couple of chart things, you know what I mean? Like none of them by themselves would be enough to do anything, right? But all of them together paint a picture that make it worth it for somebody to take a risk. And I noticed that, you know what I mean? And I wonder when it comes to the comedy thing, and this is where it, it could differ drastically. What would it take for you to book a three week tour? I do right? it all the what time. I, I work nonstop when outside of the pandemic. and i'm on a i'm on a four-week run right now i actually said there's no comedy but i this is my first four-week run I've, I've had shows the past three weeks i've got another one coming up and i've got a, it's it's right. this is what i do this is what i mean like like but i mean and i but i guess i guess my question is this like is there a what is the equivalent in comedy of the tour poster because like when you there are three words I'll tell stuff, you the I, tour I, poster means a lot like it's a I lot. can tell you exactly what it is in comedy three what words as seen on yeah. those are the three most important words yeah. in comedy yeah I mean put, that could uh, be it. I, you, used to put uh, Carson Tonight Show then Leno Conan Letterman Colbert that is the oh. Someone up there took a shot at him. All right, I can put right. him in my room. As seen on, yeah. that is the golden ticket. And it doesn't solve all your problems, but no, it but it, it helps. Probably, it's, I mean, it it's uh, it does what it, it it's it's like I, I didn't again, I didn't realize it, but it's funny, like with the Instagram thing, after we did the California tour, we did a bunch of stuff. So we're just putting up posters. We had individual like, oh, we were at this club. We made a poster for it. So right. We had the big tour poster with all the dates on it. Then we had photos and videos from each one of the gigs, right? And some of the gigs were opening up for really cool people. So we're hanging out with them. And there's some cool shit, right? And I noticed that like when I went to go friend people on Instagram, people friended me right away. And I was like, I wonder what changed. But then I looked at my Instagram at the time. Now it just looks like a fucking wasteland, you know. But I looked at it at the time and I was like, right, it looks just like theirs does. Right. Like it looks just like theirs. Right? There's a tour poster, some some pretty cool video. Here's some other stuff. Here's some posters. Here's some video you in a studio. Here's some stuff again. And here, I mean, it just looks like there's some shit going on, you know. And I wonder... Speaking of shit going on, not to, I apologize for interrupting, but have you been listening yeah, no, to uh, Truman and my wife fighting right above me at all? No, but it's I wondered if the microphone was picking it up. <laughs> it is uh, late here and he is still not in bed. And all I'm here is, I don't want to. <laughs> oh, see, though, this is where we started talking about race and white people not beating their kids. <laughs> oh, man. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm kidding, but no, seriously. Like, I do threaten I him with the orphanage constantly. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a beating your kids thing. I think it's just an overall respect thing. When I was a kid, when I was super young, my parents didn't hit me at all. They didn't have to. I just listened. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I just did what the fuck I was told. You know, what I mean? it was pretty much that simple. He's a willful anyway. little fucker. 
Yeah, that's it's, it's a thing of uh, you know, how do I? Uh, I don't believe in karma, but it's also like I'm sure I was no fucking happy-go-lucky, <laughs> you know, breath of fresh air for my parents. So the God I don't oh, believe in was funny. like, oh, here you go, boom, here's your kid. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna sit in the basement <laughs> while he fights with your wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should I should probably go see what's going on. I just looked at the clock. I'm like, yeah, I think I we've been I, we've been doing be this. For... A, you should be drinking a beer alone in your basement while your wife was up there fighting with the kids. That's what you should be doing. So yeah. avoiding them at all costs. I was, I was drinking. Nah. Uh, I was drinking BCAAs. I was drinking uh, amino nah, acids. A, all right. Nah, so in closing, a, it's a tag team with your wife. Go do a tag her out, and you jump in for a little bit, and you know, let her yeah. have a break. And then watch her go to bed in like five seconds so she can be pissed at you. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I give tackle hugs is what I do. I just go out and I just go tackle hugs and I just lay down with him. And then he just like gets annoyed because I'm just like, there you go. I'm like a weighted blanket, a living yeah. weighted blanket. Yeah. Like, like we're not going to play this game. Lay down. Here you go. All right. So feel your emotions, everyone. Visit antartgoodwin.com. Visit nathantimmel.com. Um, I still don't. I, I on Monday I sent my uh, my my beautiful wife who I love very much an email. She's the one that does the heavy lifting on my website, and uh, said I I need to get my book up on my website. And she's like, okay, and still not there. But you know, she's got those IKEA things to put together. I love you, sweetie. <laughs> anyway, um, so the the book is on Amazon. Oh. It's people are still liking it. People are still asking for a sequel. Like, oh, I can't wait to hear more about these two. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> not happening not, unless i get an idea but either way the book is called we are 100 it's available on amazon i wrote it um and i well, think and i feel like it has to be i don't know i feel like in the like the same two characters would be amazing because i like them yeah but it's also like implausible like when you watch these things and like these two, like these, the same two detectives always get these mind-bogglingly awesome cases, right? Exactly. Where they almost die every single time, but you don't want to have to reintroduce two new characters that are basically just the same old characters in a different face with different names. But it's kind of like really, like again, these two end up doing this thing, right? right. You know? I mean, that's that's that's. But, I mean, yeah. if a sequel can be done, great. But I have to have a good idea, and I'm not really focused on it i'm not sitting there going i need an idea i need an idea because i think that is the fastest way to come up with a bad idea no it'll come to you you'll you'll something will spark you and and you'll find a new case for them to solve it'll be dope i'm excited i'm looking forward to it really i think it's it's gonna be great (laughs) don't 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 pressure me all right kids thanks for watching (laughs) we will we will talk to you next week indeed see ya